one of those pew Bibles home with you. Acts chapter 20, I'm going to read 17 and 18 and then skip down to verse 28 through 32. This is God's word. Now from Miletus, he, the Apostle Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, now skip down to verse 28, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. You may be seated. Would you pray with me one more time and ask God's blessing on his word preached? Lord, as we have participated together in the sacrament of baptism and seen such a glorious sign of your gospel, we are reminded of your grace that washes away sin. And now as we come to your word, would by your grace you wash away sin in our lives this is the word that can make us holy, can change our affections and desires, our passions, our want-tos. This is a word that can comfort and encourage, can convict. This is a word that can redeem. And so in your hands, Lord Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, would you do all of those things for our benefit. Shepherd us, we pray. In your name, amen. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about elders and deacons. And one of the reasons that we've had all our elders up today is because from Acts chapter 20, we're really going to, we're going to talk today about elders. And, and here's why. We have had just the rich blessing over the last couple of years of adding so many new people. And so what we wanted to do through the month of January and into February is just kind of pull back for a little bit and just talk about what the church is. Not just Zion Church, but more globally, what is the church as the temple of God and um, his household, right? The, the place where Jesus is at work because the church is his embodiment in the world. And so Adam last week talked about the essential nature of the church for many of the things that God is doing. We're going to talk not just about who Zion is, but, but who is the church, and then who are we called to be in light of that. And so we are going to talk today about elders. Here's our goal. We want to we build on this truth as we move into talking about the officers of the church. And here's the truth that we want to build on, that when God moves... He always moves from broken to whole. What that looks like is he moves from disorder to order. 
In the first work of creation, he starts with a chaotic world, a dangerous, dark place. And by the end, he's got a flourishing garden at his disposal because that's what God does. When he enters into a situation, he produces order, which produces beauty. And the good news of that for us is that that's the, that's the business that God is in of taking twisted things and straightening them out. And, and when Jesus comes into your life, that's the work that he's going to do. He's going to untwist all of the things that sin has twisted. That is his work of redemption. And now I think we're, we're comfortable at, with that sort of truth in a, in a very general sense. We have... We've made a complete mess out of our lives, if we're honest. And so we love the idea of God coming in and creating order where there's disorder. And so why is it that when we think of true spirituality, that we think that it's spontaneous and tends towards chaotic? That we've bought into this, that, that the order in the church gets in the way of the Spirit's working. And yet, when the Spirit of God shows up, He shows up not to produce spontaneous and frenzied, but ordered and healthy. You see, without, without any type of clear leadership, you won't go anywhere. You've probably had this experience. This is our typical night out as a family. Where do you want to go to eat? That usually ends up with about an hour of us driving around because no one will want to take leadership, hundreds of opinions, but, but no clear decisions. That's what you end up with without any sense of clear leadership structure. And you see, the God who reveals himself in the Bible is a God of order. And so he's given leaders to his church to shepherd. We heard from Ezekiel 34, the promise, the condemnation of the former leaders of Israel, the shepherds of Israel. They were eating the sheep. They were abusing the sheep. They were using the sheep to get a head in life. And God's promise to them is, look, look, I, I'll be the shepherd of my sheep. I'll go after the lost. I'll go after the broken. I'll go after the disordered in this world and bring them into my pasture, Psalm 23, where they will flourish. Well, when God works in the world, he usually wraps up his gifts in the form of people. And the people that he's given to lead his church towards health are the elders. And without elders in your life, like if you're not committed to the oversight of, of God in your life through the wrapped up gifts of his appointed elders, then you will be an unstable and unhealthy Christian who will not experience the fullness of Jesus's shepherding of you in your life. You will be like the Joiner family driving around, never ending up at a clear destination. Because Jesus, the good shepherd, has given to his church his body 
under shepherds who will care for you. This chapter, one of the reasons we're here in Acts chapter 20, is one of the clearest descriptions of the work that elders are to do. Paul is on his way back to Jerusalem during his third missionary journey. He had spent three years in Ephesus, making it his home base, and and had trained up these men from Ephesus. The gospel was going out to the province of Asia Minor, and Paul then finished his third missionary journey, circling back around to Jerusalem, but he's got to stop. And just south of Ephesus in Miletus, he comes to port, and he summons the elders of the church in Ephesus, and most likely all of Asia Minor, to him to to talk to them. And he's got an important task to do before he moves on. He needs to strengthen the churches that the gospel had created throughout Asia Minor. And so in order to strengthen the churches, he calls the elders to the city of Miletus. And he instructs them in their duties, and he prays for them, and then he gets on the ship and he sails home. This is the only speech to Christians that Luke records in the book of Acts. Every other speech that Luke records is, is largely to, um, to the non-Christian world, the gospel going out. But this is one of the few, not the only, this is one of the few speeches that Luke records to a group of Christians, and here's what we learn. The elders are to shepherd the flock of God, and as a result, they have three duties in your life. Sort of trying to create expectations for you, just to see the gift that the elders are to you from God, and to create expectations. And their, their goals, their duties are to lead, feed, and protect the sheep. The elders are to lead the church of God. See that word care in verse 28. Now, if you have a different translation, it might read to shepherd the church of God. It is actually a command. Be shepherds. It's, it's the language of sheep herding here. I'm, I'm not quite sure actually why the ESV has chosen to translate it as, as care and kind of get out some of this. I think they had just had in mind that there's, they're trying to capture some of the intimacy of shepherding like a, a mother would care for their child. There's, there's a sense in shepherding that it's not just a job to do, but a love of nurturing love that's born out of it here. And I think that's one of the reasons they choose to translate the word as care. A shepherd does more than just feed the sheep and let them go on their way. There's, a, there's an intimacy. One, one author says a Middle Eastern shepherd tells us that a sheep would respond, as we saw a few weeks ago in, in John's gospel, a shepherd would call out the sheep that there was such an intimate bond between them that the sheep would actually respond to just their shepherd's voice. So that me, you know, if I was there, and someone else was there, and we're at the same pen, and he calls out with the same voice, my sheep would only hear my voice and respond because there was such an, a deep, intimate bond, a tender depth of care. And you see the word pastor is just a Latin word for shepherd. 
And so many of you call me Pastor Paul, and I'm, I'm honored by the title, but, but really, with this in mind, with Acts chapter 20 in mind, you, we really should be calling all of our elders this. Pastor Buck read the Old Testament today. Pastor Thomas prayed for us today. Pastor Mark led us in our call to worship today. This is what they do. They are given as pastors, and that's one of the things that we see as really healthy about the church, that there's a plurality of eldership. There are many who lead. One of the ways that translates for me is I don't always get my own way. And that's good. Because there's a, there's a collective wisdom in God giving so many men to the church to lead us. You, you don't let, trust me, you don't want to be led by my ideas or whims all of the time. In fact, I often say, here's how you know what's a, what the difference between an idea and a good idea. Submit the idea to the community and see if it's a good idea. And that happens because God has given us a plurality of pastors, a plurality of elders who lead the church of God. There's not a hierarchy of power, uh, but a division of labor. I'm, I may be the pastor of this church, but that's just first amongst equals. I have the same amount of authority in this church as do the other elders. It's, the other thing that happens, and this is why Paul calls them overseers in verse 28. Pay careful attention to your flock and to which and to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Right? The biblical church is not a democracy. It's a representative form of government, and the the elders are representatives. Not of you, but of the Lord Jesus to you. It's not a dictatorship either. The church is led by many men who have been called by the Holy Spirit. They make decisions with the scriptures in one hand. And because they care for you, your lives in the other. They should be obeyed and followed as a result. Let these men tend this church and your lives so that you would experience the growth of Christ. Heed Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. And let them do this with joy and not groaning because that is of no advantage to you. Follow their lead in your lives as they oversee this church because they care for you, ones who will have to give an account one day. There is spiritual authority to this because they are shepherding. And look how Paul refers to the church in verse 28. They are the flock. There's that shepherding theme to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And you catch the, the spiritual significance of the church. This, is, this thing that we do is a work of God 
the Holy Spirit of, of Jesus coming down to earth and making a new people for himself. This is, there's no sociological explanation for what you do. There's no, there's no clear explanation. This is not something that a bunch of different men and women say, look, let's do this thing called the church. This is the church that God created with the blood of his own son. It is his special creation. And as a result, the church, as we gather, is not the result of any of our efforts. You don't bring yourself into Christ, and the church doesn't flourish because of any of our efforts. It flourishes because God created it. God inhabits it by his Holy Spirit. It is his temple. It is his church, and will flourish all the way to the end, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the onward march of Jesus through his body, the church. And as a result, the church does not primarily exist for you or for me. The question that most people ask about the church is, what can I get out of it? Makes you wonder what's the number one reason that people leave churches. Who knows? But I guarantee it probably starts with the same two words. I'm not. And think about that for a second. There's an assumption that the church exists to meet your needs. And when your needs aren't being met, then it's okay for you to move on. But if the church is God's special creation to carry out his redemptive purposes in the world, then we have a grand privilege of belonging to her. She doesn't have the privilege of having me. We have the privilege of belonging to the Lord Jesus and his bride, the church. And if you love Jesus, you should love his bride too. If you love Jesus and want to experience his presence, then be part of his body, the church. Because it's been purchased with his own blood. What other organization in this world has that claim? Purchased by God with the blood of his son who will make it into new heavens and new earth. What other organization has that kind of glory attached to it in this world? This is a heavenly community. What happens even when we gather? It's like heaven and earth just are meeting here. God's coming down and being with us in all of his redemptive power. And where God is present, he makes things flourish. This is his special creation. And as a result, the elders are Holy Spirit called. Verse 28 again. Paul points out that the elders don't take this responsibility to themselves. The Holy Spirit has made you overseers. No elder should take this responsibility to himself, the Holy Spirit must call him. Because Jesus is placing, placing his, not only calling, but authority. Obey these men, because they are handling my word in your life. Listen to them. Follow their conduct. 
elders should be men that you look at and say, there is a maturing Christian. And when I'm trying to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus, because who of us isn't trying to figure that out? We can look at these men and say, they give me an idea. These men, and I'll tell you, these men repent faster than anybody else I know. They're honest about their own brokenness. They don't hide. We struggle together. We bear one another's burdens. You should look at these men not as men who've got it all figured out, but who are clinging to Jesus and walking in his ways because you should obey them because the Holy Spirit has made them overseers. It is important to be called to this work because it is a work, an office of death. Look at verse 23. The, Paul says, to them that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in, that in every city chains and tribulation await me. And the reason he reminds them of the past trials is because that's going to be the common experience of these men as they follow Jesus. And so he reminds them in verse 35 that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And Paul isn't saying you'll feel better when you give because that's not always true. Oftentimes it feels better and easier to take than to give. That's my spiritual gift in life. My spiritual gift is taking. If you have something you'd like to give to me, then I will take it. The men who serve as Jesus' representatives will go through the personal experience that Jesus has of leading his sheep. And it will be painful and difficult at times as they enter into the brokenness of our lives. And this, by the way, this is not just true of, of elders. This is true of anyone who is in a leadership position in Christ's church and under Christ's rule. So fathers, this is how you lead your home. Suffering so that others can live. Mothers, this is how you care for your children. Employers to employees, this is the pattern of the kingdom of God. I suffer so that you can thrive. That's what, hap what happens in Ezekiel 34 is that gets flipped. The sheep are suffering so the leaders can thrive. And God says, no more. That is not the way of my kingdom. I will rip them away. Your growth at our expense so that Paul then says, nor do I consider my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. And so the elders, in order for you to finish your race with joy, are to feed the church of God. Look at verse 25 and 26. And now behold, I know that none of you among you whom I have gone out from proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of y'all. Verse 30, 27, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I went from your house to house doing this. In Paul's letters to Timothy and Titus, he gives the qualifications for elders and deacons. Those are the two permanent offices in the church through whom Jesus brings flourishing to his body. And all of those qualifications for elders are true for deacons except for one. Actually, all of the qualifications are true for every Christian. There's nothing that's abnormal in that list of qualifications. 
of any Christian. They're just to be maturing Christians, except for one. An elder has to be able to teach. The elder, his primary job is to lead you, not with his own opinions, but with the word of God. And so Paul tells Titus that the elder in Titus 1.9, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who's contradicted because Jesus feeds his people and when he gives gifts he often wraps them up in people and he feeds his people he leads his people he does so by his word through the gift of these men and so he tells Paul tells Timothy the young pastor he tells Timothy all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. It's, he's saying, it's enough. It is enough. And so, as you're thinking about who God might be calling, look for men who are maturing and who can handle the scriptures well. Because that's what you need. You need men who will speak God's truth into your life and lead you with it. As Paul gets ready to leave Ephesus, he commends the elders to God. Look at what he does, verse 32. To God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among the saints. By the way, notice that it's not can tell you how to get the inheritance. No, the word comes into our lives and by God's grace that's how the inheritance comes. It builds us up. This is not be a better person Christianity. This is God in his grace gives us an inheritance by his word. And children, imagine a meal that when you ate it, it gave you superpowers. Strongest and meanest enemies would, would fall at your feet because you had been given such a meal that your strength was now superhuman. That's what the Bible says about the power of God's word. And these men are to feed you on this meal. And so verse 21, he says, he taught them publicly and from house to house. And I think we should see this as a method, right? The church's ministry happens both publicly and privately. So let me say... Let these men into your life. There's not a person in this room that, that, that isn't sort of hiding something that we need God's redemptive power in. And so just open your lives up. It doesn't have to be in your home. Maybe you'd prefer to meet at the coffee shop or in their home or at lunch, whatever. Just invite them in. There's not a single one of these men, if you were to ask them into your life, would not come with joy. You see, if you have no room for the sort of personal ministry of God in your life, if you want to keep things private, then you're going to be pushing against Jesus' shepherding of you. Because he wants to come into those dark and broken places. 
Lastly, the elders are to protect the church of God. Paul warns the elders in verse 29 and 30 about the dangers of false doctrine. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering for for that three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Paul tells Timothy, not only are the elders, or tells Titus, not only the elders able to instruct in sound doctrine, but able must also rebuke those who contradict it. Because here's what's important. Doctrine doesn't just mean teaching, like there's some ideas floating out there. He calls it, he actually uses the word for hygienics. And when he says sound doctrine in, first, in Titus 1.9, that's the word we translate hygiene from. It's healthy. So there are healthy truths that are able to build God's people up because they come from God's word. And then there are false doctrines that will destroy God's people. And so Paul's telling the, the elders here, you've got to be able to keep the people of God from the unhealthy things that will destroy them. And we do this proactively in our Sunday school classes as well as other teaching men, venues like women's and men's Bible studies, etc. But we have to just be open. Because I mean, this is a, I'm just say, nothing. I, I get, in, I get, in, I get the most vehement feedback when I go after what I would consider to be some of the false doctrine that has found its way inside the walls of God's church. You notice what Paul's saying here. This is going to come up from amongst you. There are going to be people who claim the name of Jesus who are going to teach you false things that sound good but will lead to your destruction. We live in a culture that puts up walls around certain discussions and says that's off limits. That's a private matter. I'm, I believe what I should believe. No, we believe we should believe what the Lord Jesus says. We don't have the privilege. We're slaves of the king. We don't have the privilege of our own beliefs. We believe what his word says because this is what the king has spoken to us. That's not, that's not arrogant. There, we can err in these things, but when we err, we should all stand under God's word because that is what he has built his church on and that is the way he's speaking into our lives. Not my beliefs and your beliefs, but what Jesus believes and has instructed us to believe in his word because it will lead to our flourishing. Let me close with this. Because life is often like a playground merry-go-round. Kids, you've, you've been on these. You, you stand on them, right? And, and the goal is to spin them as fast as you can. And when they start spinning really fast, what ends up happening? There's so much force that it throw, you're like holding on for dear life. And that's fun until you grow up to be an adult and you realize that's how life actually works. 
And if you get flung too far off, you see, you'll get hurt. You'll fly off the thing. And you see the key to staying stable in a merry-go-round, children, if you want the secret to not getting flung off, stand as close as you can to the middle. Don't stand on the outside. Don't stand on the fringe. Stand as close as you can to the middle. Because the closer you are to the center, the less the chaos of spinning will affect you. And you see, the job of these men are to keep us centered on the fixed point of Jesus Christ. So that no matter how quickly this world is spinning and no matter how much our lives are falling into chaos and disarray, we won't get flung off because they're keeping us centered on Jesus and his grace. You need these men. I need these men. Invite them into your lives and pray that God would give us even more who would serve as overseers and shepherds in the household of God, which is his church, bought with the blood of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for our current elders, for the gift they are to this church. I thank you for Larry Rhodes and Harold King and the years of service they put in as they rotate off. Would you give them rest and continue to use them in our body? Lord, I pray that you would raise up more elders within your body to lead your house, and I pray for my brothers and sisters here that they would rejoice in the Lord Jesus and his care for us. Give us a love for your church. If you would do this, Lord Jesus, we would praise you even more. We pray this in your name. Amen.